Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by michael sidrick and sir we are gathered here to um we are socially distanced here today restrictions get lifted tomorrow mate so potentially one of the last times um to talk about whether or not aew could surpass wwe soon now i sound hyperbolic and you may think wait a second haven't they covered this sort of subject before yes yes we have but well, to dive straight into it, Sige, it feels like a, a different world we're in now. The probably last time we talked about this was probably pre-pandemic, if I'm perfectly honest, because it was it was a combination of WWE spiraling downwards and the excitement of the new product of AEW. Um, AEW themselves have been on a, a roller coaster. We should acknowledge, you know, the the ratings were were not great uh, a few weeks ago. Now, yes, that can be partially excused by the fact that this was a Friday night dynamite or a Saturday night dynamite. But you have to look at it now and say, in previous weeks, they've done what nearly nine hundred thousand for a couple of weeks, and then just this week they did. Uh, a 1.025 million viewership. I've got all the stats in front of me here. I'll break that down in a second. But first of all, your reaction to the rating and, and why we're doing this podcast again. We're doing this podcast again because, well, I was just about to say, we're entering a new period of certainty with the return of live crowds. Look, if the US follows the UK in any way in these patterns of infection, um, like I'm watching these shows with fans and i'll honestly be doing the very same thing with wwe over this weekend thinking ah, this is bloody great irresponsible but great and at the same time i'm not thinking well we'll never see the thunderdome again or we'll <laughs> never see the dark extras at daily's place again everything's so uncertain but for a while at least and who knows who knows maybe officials across both sides of sides of the pond will realize i know what hang on ah, i've already screwed the economy enough so let's just do it anyway. What, what's that? Hospitals are just about coping. The doctors and nurses are not good, but they're just right. Okay, well, they're coping. Just about just means they're coping. Um, 
so yes, I'm watching these shows thinking, great, with a caveat. But we've decided to approach this topic again with the idea that provided this is the new normal, provided we are just about coping and we're not going to get another, well, we're completely society can't function if we don't do something scenario, the ethics of that, you know, I've got a certain opinion on, you can probably infer it. Mm. We are doing this now because it feels like, right, there's no schedules getting bounced around. There's no real bittersweet on an ethical level there is, but there's no bittersweet feeling of, all oh, right, well, wrestling's still good, still really good sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it contrives to be excellent, but it's still not the same. It's still not the same. Fans are back. Fans are back. Certain trends are indicating that a paradigm shift that Dave Meltzer, I believe, reported in a not too um, long ago Wrestling Observer newsletter. He reported that he's calculated the various growth trends and decline trends. And he speculated that, you know what, like Dynamite is going to start beating Raw in the demos. And look just what happened uh, this very week. Dynamite did precisely that in the 18th of 49 demographic. I think it was males. Yes. Yes. Um, so at least one major key demo. And previously, they beat them in like 18 to 34 across various quarter hours or on average. This is a big one. Males 18 to 49 is your predominant pro wrestling audience. Um, one that advertisers are very keen on seeing perform. So it just felt like as good a launch point as any. There's been, if not a paradigm shift, then at least um, a glimpse into one. And this is the best sort of time to do this podcast because as we've labored over possibly too much, and I accept most responsibility for that with my now abandoned mutants patter for a long time, we had to rely on Twitter socials um, to measure who was over, what product was hot, what was the best storyline in wrestling. If you don't say it's Roman Reigns, I will stomp you in the face. That sort of deal. Like we've got an actual observable, measurable backdrop, heat and ratings and how one might inform the other as we'll get into. So just now it feels like the time to really take this question seriously. There can be no excuses. There's no Friday shows. We're not on the road to WrestleMania, which somehow, despite it being awful, really skewed the numbers in WWE's direction, favor. Just feels like now it's time for for a battle, if you like. Yeah, exactly. Um, just to come back to those ratings, not to pour water on the fire, but you know we've seen AEW do do over a million before. We've seen them do better than what they did on Wednesday night, but they did do, like you say, uh, 1.025 million viewers. Uh, they did a 0.4 in the 18 to 49 demo, and I believe it was a 0.55 in the male 18 to 49 demo, beating Raw's 0.51, if you're interested in that sort of thing. And I know people say, well, you're only rating that up when you need to. But that is the key demo when it comes to advertisers, or at least 18 to 49 is, and just divvying it up into men's is the target audience for Monday Night Raw. The difference, I think, right now, not just with the scope of the, the, the landscape of wrestling right now, is often when AW would do a really good rating, the argument could be made that that was based on the previous week's show. And, and sometimes we'd watch a show that would do a huge number, and you wouldn't be heaping praise on it as much as you were for example for the previous week whereas right now it's fair to say we're in a pretty sweet spot for AEW they had Road Rager last week which may well have contributed to this week's rating but this week was Fighter Fest Night 1 you got Fighter Fest Night 2 you got Fight for the Fallen to come 
There is a, a good stacking up of things to come for AEW. And once you've got them out of the way, if you want to call it that, you are effectively on the road to All Out. We'll talk more about All Out. But yeah, just your reflection on this week's rating again. Yeah, I think it's a strong indication of the buzz AEW has generated. There's obviously going to be a bit of a, a novelty. There are certain fans and, you know, casual fans is an argument invoked by bad faith actors, the likes of which I increasingly care little about. Um, but there are fans who simply do not watch it every single week. So they are literally more casually invested, right? So I want to make that distinction clear because casual fans is just another awful part of a discourse I'm starting to not give a toss about. <laughs> more of those people are tuning in. This isn't an aberration. Like since the, I guess you could call it a soft reset to a degree, there were certain matches that they did on Dynamite um, just before and just after Double or Nothing that you'll never see on the road. I don't think, again, you're not going to see provided we don't have to bloody go back to Daly's place for a residency. Uh, we're not going to see Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Comorato on a Dynamite main event. Mm. Just not going to see that on a Wednesday night in front of fans. It feels like they've reserved something. It feels like fans have received that message. It feels like this is a white-hot product that is just thunderously loud across the board. And as I said, like the Wednesday's rating was no aberration. MGF and Sammy Guevara drew a monster number. Um, I think it was slightly down for Road Rager. I think possibly because um, Young Bucks versus Penta and Phoenix had literally just been done the prior week, but it still did a very respectable number that is all added up to a really strong average post um, the Daily's Place residency, or at least the Wednesday night move away from. This is a great number this last one for AEW and you make a great point there there was a certain strange um aspect to the some of the ratings that AEW's drawn like this year and sometimes mm. last words like you got that rating for that show and then you're thinking oh it's because last week was great some buzz was generated and then you think oh Christ if you're gonna watch an AEW episode not this one don't make it this one make it like another one it feels like there are going to be less ah oh, not that episode recently because they've obviously reserved a whole hell of a lot of stuff for the road, for the build to all out, as you've mentioned, and um, ahead of the Arthur Ashe show. They're cooking with gas. They're not going to um, dodge it for a week, phone it in for a week like they had literally been doing on the Fridays and Saturdays. Um, I just can't see the momentum faltering to any mm. significant degree at this point. Yeah, exactly. You fight a fest and fight for the fall and we'll take us into to early August. And that's a month. So what, four, five shows before All Out again? And we'll talk about All Out in a second because it's not just about AEW doing great things. It's about Monday Night Raw being absolutely terrible. Um, do you think WWE will recognise this fact? We've talked about, you know, AEW taking their foot off the gas with like the Friday night episodes. If I like WWE is taking their foot off the gas with a lot of things during this pandemic and not like it was uh, a perfect show in, in 20, 2019 or early 2020, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel like something as much as I am willing it to be now, now that fans are back, that it's going to get wholesale changes. Is that fair? I think it's absolutely fair. If you look at what's going on in WWE right now, 
Some things obviously have taken a while to come to fruition that are just getting very heavily rumoured at this point. I didn't ring Goldberg yesterday. They obviously, given his um, film schedule, they didn't ring John Cena in desperation, who's doing nothing. Like, they've carefully coordinated, at the very least, SummerSlam, the card. Hmm. Um, Certain developments that might be happening at Money in the Bank. But if you look at these moves, none of them, remotely speak to any of the the fundamental change in the creative process that since 2015 has just been starkly declining. Here's what they've done to answer your question. Mandy Rose is plucked from Raw in which she was actually working a program that had been by Raw standards built over a decent amount of time, rubbish as it was. And now she's just an NXT. Um, Knox was about to do some kind of grudge match with Candice LeRae. Boom, we need more bodies on SmackDown. It's chaotic. These are chaotic, impulsive, desperation moves, looking at the numbers, informing some changes. So it's not like these are carefully arranged programs or promotions or brand switches that have been in the works for quite some time that have been done with a real keen attention to detail that might secure a lot of long-term emotional investment in fans. That just ain't happening. And a lot of people who are quite generous in the media towards WWE, I, I don't know why, but uh, they're saying, oh yeah, a lot of good news is coming, guys. A lot of good news is coming. It's like, Goldberg, all right, okay. Uh, I mean, he'll move numbers. Like, he will move numbers. And he's a, I allegedly, spoiler, by the way, if you're interested in the events of Money in the Bank going into SummerSlam, um, mute the next however many minutes. Uh, Goldberg is coming back per a report from Fightful Select. So blame them. Now they're very good, so don't blame <laughs> them. Um, to work a match with Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. That's not like a... It's a the same old crap that they do. It's a short-term boost that cannot hope to conceal a long-term problem uh, long-term problem that consistently has proven itself like immune to these short spikes. It'll let's keep it'll keep going down. It'll keep going down until you actually sort of reheat and fix the star making process, the way you book these people, the way that so much of the the material that you see on the road just feels like inessential drivel, fluff, like haha comedy that wins and losses don't matter. The same shit we say all the time. <laughs> that same shit we all, we see all the time it feels like with Goldberg Lesnar's sort of in the mix he was even referenced by Roman Reigns uh, John Cena Becky Lynch Cena's not going to be there a whole hell of a lot he's going to do a job the Roman that's not a spoiler that's a prediction Christ knows Paul Heyman's going to say that um, enough times <laughs> Goldberg isn't around for the long haul in fact he's going to be around for like two minutes on a Sunday night yep. Becky Lynch I expect will work one of these uh, Randy Orton adjacent schedules where you've put in the hours, you've established yourself as enough of a star where it's like, well, I could do house shows. I might not even do every TV, but, you know, I'll do more than Lesnar. I just, you know, like, I love Becky Lynch before the end of that run. And I know she was a star by modern WWE full-time standards, but like, I don't think she's really a needle mover. Like, I don't. Um, so it feels, once again, like Monday Night Raw is masking its problems with a very temporary solution and it will fall into the same pattern. The The return of fans is going to, at the very least, provide something like a two or three week spike here. It genuinely is. 
Um, it feels like a goddamn dystopia in that Thunderdome, the novelty of which has long since worn off. Um, the reason why they did the Thunderdome is because they just couldn't get away with doing absolutely nothing shows in the most depressing confines imaginable, that being the Thunderdome. So Raw will feel feel significantly less depressing, like significantly less depressing for two or three weeks. And then just like the way they treat so many guys who and women who appear on this show, I get just they've got this astonishing, astonishing way of just making people feel like normal. Like mm. have you been here three weeks? It feels like a year or something like that. Like you would never have guessed watching Damien Priest on Raw that like he hasn't been on it that long. It's got this strikingly bizarre way of making things feel so mundane. And given the way that they film their audiences, given the fact that Raw is terrible and is not likely to captivate their audience, I just think this is going to feel like in three weeks, you're going to see a lot of jokes doing in the rounds on Twitter saying, how is it possible for it all feel this boring and not life affirming like these, these AEW shows do. Look, the creative's horrendous. Um, Goldberg is absolutely not the answer after a mere matter of weeks after which you'll have gone anyway. Like I've said it a million times before, unless WWE fundamentally changes its product, spoiler, it won't, hmm. then we're going to see just a continuation of its problems. And with AEW really roaring down its neck, in terms of the demos, I just can't see this trend, this converging of AEW going up, Raw going down. It's going to meet in the middle. It's already has for a very key demo, maybe even in overall viewership at some point. Because if they botch this return to fans, can you imagine what a cell phone it is? You've watched the Euros World One. What's it been like for you? Especially the Hungary game. Did you watch the Hungary game against Portugal? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You've watched Wimbledon, I guess. You've watched these AEW shows. You've watched WrestleMania Night 1. It's like these people are desperate for some relief, much less excitement. How bad of a look will it look for Raw if after three weeks of the novelty, these crowds are silent? Mm. It'll be embarrassing. It'll be embarrassing. Um, and I just So much recent precedent informs the fact that I just can't see Monday Night Raw, even with like an enthusiastic crowd, not getting killed off after an hour. And here's the thing. WWE did WrestleMania across two nights, right? Six hours in total, three hours on each. By three hours, 25 minutes, that crowd was already, like, rejecting unanimously what they were seeing because they did that being Randy Orton match. It's like, as much as people are happy to be there, and as much as their happiness will make this feel like, oh, it's not a dystopia anymore, if they do something rubbish, which they will... These fans aren't going to go, I'm just happy to be out. They're going to go, oh, this is crap. Let's very audibly reject this. And it'll just be an absolutely terrible look. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. 
It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You alluded to it there in terms of, I suppose you could call it the stars sort of aligning with it all in terms of the fact that when we've talked about this before, you know, it was the start of 2020 or it's been in amongst all this and it's very hard to judge the way things are. And like you say, they'd have the the excuse of, oh, well, we're, we're getting into WrestleMania season or whatever it may be. Um, we are now in a period. I mean, yes, we're heading towards SummerSlam. So I should probably caveat with that in terms of, like you say, they're, they're potentially building this huge SummerSlam card, which could you know distract from the fact that their their booking is horrendous uh, particularly on monday nights but we all know about the the lull post wrestlemania and post summerslam uh you know the, the wrestlemania one this year was was less noticeable i suppose but certainly if you're going to pick a period where we just takes their foot off the gas normally it would be after WrestleMania and immediately after SummerSlam. So uh, SummerSlam in particular, it feels like they go, cool, well, we'll see all the casuals in November for Survivor Series, effectively. Now, the thing is with this, is like you say, they are, one's going in one direction in terms of Monday Night Raw, and AEW Dynamite, just as an example, is going in the opposite direction um, and will continue in that direction over the next few weeks, in my opinion, particularly because this isn't just well, AEW doing well right now, and if they hot shot some stuff and put some title matches on telly, maybe they can, you know, beat beat WWE or beat beat Monday Night Raw. Particularly, people move the goalposts all the time. If you beat NXT, now you have to beat Raw. If you beat Raw, I sense people say, "Well, you're not beating SmackDown." So, anyway, uh, getting off topic here. But the difference is, they are heading towards arguably one of the most important pay per views in AEW's history. That being All Out, where you know, I think the tagline is something like where champions are made. And this is, you know, almost the culmination of what, two years? It's a it's a big period for AEW and that will be, contribute to this, this the whole thing that we're discussing. Yes, absolutely. If you look at what AEW has got in the short to medium term, I'm talking from this date of recording to, oh, Arthur Ashe. That's just project what's going to happen during that period. I suspect they've got things planned for after that. Like, if you look at things they've been doing in their history and how some of them are only com- coming to fruition now, like, it just kind of transcends what people know of long, long, long-term booking. Um, if they don't 
botch the landing, which I don't think they will. Just everything about that promotion, like the match quality, the angles, certain people doing things on national television like Kenny Omega that people didn't think they'd be able to do, like just delivering tremendous promos. It feels like there's a certain belief coursing through that company. And part of that belief is you don't know what's coming next. Like we've got an even better show next week. Look at this destination we've got planned. It just feels like everything's so dialed in. And this time on Page versus Kenny Omega, I don't know if it's just, oh Christ, we're going to see some of our favorite wrestlers live again. It just feels enormous. It just feels absolutely enormous. Like the biggest thing I've seen in pro wrestling since, oh, I want to say the Becky Lynch, the man run. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's AEW and because there's so much more trust in this process and because it's all carefully designed, whereas the man was probably the last time WWE fans just had the heart to reject what they were seeing in terms of the Charlotte Flair push. It was like one last wave of defiance, after which is just this crushingly normal thing. With AEW, this 10-man tag is going to be enormous. The stakes around it are enormous. People know what they want. They don't want it there because they want it so much and they've got no idea how it's going to get there. What AEW are doing with this Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega program is electrifying. It's unpredictable. It's virtually everything you want to see in episodic wrestling TV. It's going to culminate, presumably, at All Out. And because they book long-term, they've written it all. It's all written. It's all on a format sheet. It's all in the heads of the performers. I just can't envisage a scenario where the ratings don't continue to climb as this program gets even better than we've seen it to be over the last two weeks. Underneath, Malachi Black versus Cody already feels red hot. If you look at who's been drawing these ratings, these particularly impressive quarter hours that have informed these really strong averages in recent weeks, they're again, they're a testament to what this company has been doing for like two years at this point, like over two years. Darby Allen, the three of the four best ratings um, on average overall viewership that Dynamite has generated this year. Three out of four, Darby Allen was in the main event. Dr. Britt Baker, her last two appearances on AEW Dynamite in the ring for any long stretch of time not including the Saudi Arabia because that was a little backstage pre-tape or inset. Her last two lengthy Dynamite appearances have spiked the, the ratings and just got to the peak of what Dynamite was doing that night. MGF and Sammy Guevara drew a monster for their main event. Darby Allen, MGF, Sammy Guevara, Dr. Britt Baker are all in-house prospects from AEW who were targeted from the very start as we can make stars out of you. And it took them two years of very meticulous work in some cases, a period of introspection in the case of Britt Baker's push, right? Okay, this is a little bit too what WWE would do, market these other qualities. And we're thinking, all right, she's a dentist. It's nice, but who really cares? Hmm. How good is she like as a character in the ring, et cetera, et cetera. It just feels like it's important to look at what's going to go um, ahead of All Out and at Arthur Rash and all the intrigue that's building towards that. But the work's already been done. Two solid years of incredibly patient, slow burn, strategic storytelling where they were clever enough to pick who could potentially be a star. They were patient enough to build them over a period of two years. 
And they're the four that stand out as like the big sort of demo quarter hour guys. And they were all virtually relatively unknown in the mainstream. What has WWE been doing for those two years? They have been repeatedly training their audience that wins and losses don't matter, that investing in a character is all but pointless. They've been giving them fake, rancid dialogue. They've just been dicking about, dicking about for two years, and those two years have allowed AEW to creep up on the demos. I've said this before and I'll say it again. For a lot of fans who are just out of habit, still keeping up with WWE or whatever, it's going to take a full year at least of like really solid work and storytelling for people to, for WWE to have like recaptured people's faith in the process. I just can't see it happening. Yeah, the thing the thing I would and say I'm not saying I'm just I want to clarify this point. I'm not saying that well AEW's gonna win. Yeah, absolutely not. With Cena involved. And with them really heating up something with The Rock subsequent, I think SmackDown is going to really perform strongly in the ratings um, between now and WrestleMania. The odd dip, that will affect everything, notwithstanding. And I think the difference will be split between AEW Dynamite and WWE SmackDown. I really do, particularly since it has the advantage of being on Fox. But Raw, Raw is in trouble. Yeah. It really is in trouble as the number two program in the United States. And this is what I want to say about the pay-per-view side of things is, you know, I, I've, I've been getting very excited, genuinely, uh, and not trying to, you know, G myself up like I often have to do for WWE. Genuinely excited for SummerSlam. You know, whether you, you like you alluded to, whether it's uh, a, a Brock Lesnar or a Goldberg some, or any big guy against Bobby Lashley, for example, that's a great match. Roman Reigns versus John Cena is a... WrestleMania main event on any other day. You know, you could have other huge blow-off matches, whether it be, uh, I don't know, Orton and Riddle, just just to pick something off the top of my head that they've got going on. You run back Bianca Belair and, and Sasha Banks, for example. You maybe pull the trigger on Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch. My thing is, is what I'm talking about SummerSlam and what a big match it is. And it's it's often the the thing that the you know the the day to day wrestlers of WWE complain about with WrestleMania. All right, cool. But what about like two weeks after SummerSlam on Monday Night Raw? What are you doing there? The thing, and we talked about that loads, so I don't want to talk about that too much. The thing about AEW is I'm bigging up all out here and saying like, look, you could have, you know, obviously the the crowning of Hangman Page as, as AEW World Champion. You could have new tag champs. You know, the the Young Bucks finally lose those titles, whether it's to be to the Dark Order or you know. Santana and Ortiz or FTO or anything like that. You got MJF and Jericho, presumably, having their big blow-off match. Yeah, they're both huge pay-per-views for different reasons. But All Out isn't WrestleMania X7, i.e. we've sat here, you and I have literally sat here and gone, okay, well, here's all the amazing stuff they can do at All Out. And then you can sit there and say to me, yep, and then you do uh, Hangman Page versus MJF or you do uh, Miro has to go in this direction following All Out or whatever it may be. It's it's not the end of the road, <laughs> pardon the pun, for AEW, that pay-per-view, is it? That is, you know, something that will make, make a huge impact, hopefully, on the wrestling world. But you also have faith from what we've seen over the last two years that they ain't sitting there with their feet up going, well, job done, jobs are good and sort of thing. No, and they're making gradual gains. That's a great point, Will Bond, because you talk about um, All Out and what happens after it. Let's pick Jungle Boy, who's another star that AEW have invested in and have pinpointed from day one is he's going to be something in this company. So let's make something of him in this company. And now it's starting to, to really bear fruit. 
he's in a very, very, very slow burn storyline with Christian Cage right now. That should take us to all out. I think a potential defeat to Kenny Omega or some kind of match or development in which Jungle Boy looks like he's ahead of Christian Cage, where Christian Cage is like, well, now I'm the veteran star and you're not here yet. Christian Cage turns heel on Jungle Boy. Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy will be a mid, like for a mid-card match at All Out. A heel Christian who can just get something great out of Jungle Boy who no longer really needs the help. It could be fantastic mid-card fair. Jungle Boy wins. Then you get Jungle Boy um, with the victory. He's had the most career wins in AEW so far. Back into the rankings. Jungle Boy versus Miro at full gear. Hmm. Like I'm you, the way they book in the attentive way, the long term way, the slow burn way, the patient way, the very interesting, more to the point way that AEW books in my head, and I'm not even booking it. Jungle Boy is occupied until November, like November of this year. As you said, as you pointed out those examples, like what happens two weeks later? What happens two weeks later? I did an article, um, just a little news post about like Becky Lynch's rumored to pretend money in the bank. And I was speculating, you know, this could be the site of her return. Maybe she's double bluffed after the WrestleMania teasers. And, you know, she's rumored to come back eventually. I'm thinking, who have they built? Legitimately, who have they built in WWE, Wilborn? I'll put you on the spot. Who have WWE built as a female heel for Becky Lynch that will resonate as this kind of really major program for a star that Becky Lynch is or is meant to be. Go. I've got nothing. All I was going to say was on paper, Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley is a great match, but I can't argue that's because of what's happened in the preceding six months or anything like that. Yeah. Rhea Ripley had a great showing at the Royal Rumble and yes, she's world champion, but they've done worse with her than what they did last year with her in NXT. I I genuinely going into the match tonight at Money in the Bank. I I don't know who I'm meant to cheer. I'm going to cheer Rhea Ripley because I want her to do well and do stuff. But it's been like a battle of the arseholes with her and and Charlotte Flair. And I I, I have no doubt that you could have Becky Lynch, for example, return tonight at Money in the Bank and uh Rhea Ripley jumps her on Monday Night Raw and tries to injure or whatever. And you're like, okay, well, Becky's obviously the babyface and Rhea's obviously the heel. And this is the story that they're going with. But that's not informed. That's a bit like some of the video package that they do. They just go, oh, forget about the preceding eight weeks of television because that doesn't matter now. Here's the story and here's what it's always been about. Yeah, I, I, I can't do that. And bringing it back to your point about AEW as well and after All Out, you say, oh, what's going on two weeks after that? Well, two and a half weeks after All Out, they're in New York. And uh, let's talk about this battle uh, for or of New York, if you want to call it that, because they're going to to Arthur Ashe in New York on September 22nd, two and a half weeks after uh, All Out. And, you know, that's obviously going to be a massive show. I'm, I'm so excited to see what they do with that tennis stadium. But you look at the ticket sales, they're doing phenomenally well. And as sort of a personification of what we're talking about here, they are outselling... Smackdown, which is going down at Madison Square Garden uh, on September 10th, so just just under two weeks prior. To- really convenient. Uh, sorry, just really. Um, <laughs> uh, coincidentally, coincidentally, that's the word I'm looking for. But this is the Battle of New York is exemplary of what we're talking about. Yeah, it's symbolic, isn't it? It's more of a symbolic um, deal than anything else because 
WWE is really strongly performing in some markets in terms of ticket sales. Like, I'm not going to deny that. If it's some kind of narrative, I just think one promotion happens to be far better than the other. Like, SmackDown and Money in the Bank on this weekend sold out. People have said, because they can't stand the idea that WWE is just simply not that popular. People said that, oh, you know, MSG requires a vaccine pass to get in. Good. I honestly wish more arenas would do this, to be honest. I, like, I don't want that to be a thing that's considered bad or like weaponized in some way for some wrestling conversation. Like, But it is maybe a factor, according to these people. Um, ticket prices are high as well, but it's like not being funny. If you had a white hot wrestling product, if you had a good wrestling product, and you were presenting that product in front of a world-famous, easily accessible arena, an arena so prestigious that you know you're going to get a good show there. You know it. That's it's The very venue it's being held at is an indication of its quality. That's why we've been fantasy booking this Arthur Ashe show, because you're not, they're not going to do like Nick Comorato. Like, he's got potential. I don't want to dog yes, him, but yeah, it's yeah. a good shorthand example. They're not going to do Dustin Rhodes versus uh, Nick Comorato at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium in the main event. Like They're not going to do that. Certain venues, you know, certain markets, you know, they're going to do something huge at. Even the worst of the mutants. I'm sorry, I am trying to get over it. Even just everyone knows, everyone knows WWE will have plans to do something big at the MSG show. It's their spiritual home, if you like. And it's very symbolic of the fact that ticket sales have been very, very, very modest at best for MSG, irrespective of real-world circumstances, for this MSG show, whereas in contrast, in the same New York market, AEW looks on set. The pre-sale astonished everyone. I, I was watching that thing, Jesus Christ. Like they go on sale, or they went on sale on Friday, sorry. Like they could be selling out. They could be selling out that stadium before the actual doors open and, and there's maybe a walk-up. Price if it even happens. The world could be completely different by September. <laughs> and maybe it's more symbolic than anything else, but the thing about New York and Chicago and these markets is that they are rapidly in the no pro wrestling fans whose opinions are genuinely usually quite prescient in terms of who gets over. Like they are ultra dedicated, hardcores, really rabid, really invested. And we've seen time and time again over the years, like if you can get over an MSG, the other markets infer, oh, Christ, is a star, yeah. and they follow that pattern. And if the people from MSG who will create stars and make them or break them or whatever can't be bothered to go and see the people that they potentially want to be stars, I just think that tells a certain story. And more to the point of MSG, it's like so easily accessible. Yeah. It's such an easy place to go to more than anything else. Like I've got such a bad sense of direction, Willborn, that in the last two and two of the last places that I lived, and I've lived loads of different places, like I've been a student, I've been a young professional, different groups of mates. I, when I lived in Sandyford, Newcastle, with my three mates, three of my mates, I had to get someone to like walk with me on my first day of work because I just didn't know where it was. He's like, well, just go up the bank, turn left into a straight line for about half a mile. And I'm like, uh, I've just got such a rubbish sense of direction, right? I went to a different country 
and I found it Madison Square Garden from my hotel. Like that's how easily accessible it is. Yeah. It's impossible to not go, whether you've got anxieties about traveling or whatever. It's impossible not to go to Madison Square Garden if you're anywhere around or you can travel to the place and think, oh, what if I get lost or what if I can't find it? It's the most easily accessible venue in the world. It's an indication that the show is going to be great. It's performed strongly historically when WWE wasn't terminally awful. The fact that they can't shift tickets at any kind of respectable rate must mean WWE's product is ice cold and there is a white hot product really breathing down its neck, at least on Monday nights. As we bring this to a close, you've talked a lot about uh, WWE's response already and how they may respond going forward in terms of bringing you know, legends, Hall of Famers, big, big stars back effectively. But will they respond any more than that? And what I mean by that is obviously Vince McMahon does not want his nose put out of joint. Um, he will not want, you know, to people to be seeing, you know, he might bang on about this Monday Night Wars, people seeing regularly, let's just say for, for, for the simple simplicity of it all, just, you know, Monday Night Raw does, I don't know, a 1.7 million viewership and AW Dynamite was as a 1.8 million viewership, just to keep things straightforward. That would piss him off. But Andy's talked about this loads, Andy Murray, about the fact that WWE now are, are set and aren't really, you know, trying that hard to, to, to win wars like that. And they can always lean on the fact that, like you say, SmackDown will probably outdraw AW for a long time to come. So do you think they're going to respond more than that? Or, or will they just go, well... Yeah, they're doing well, but how's our bottom line doing? You know, they're still making record profits left, right, and centre. Is it as much of an issue for them as it is for for the fans? Vince is a very prideful bloke from the outside looking in. Um, but the thing about it is, it's called All Elite Wrestling on the marquee, but Vince McMahon most certainly looks at that and calls it All Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling, for so many bad faith arguments, arts, wacky, haha, comedy... It presents, and people will hate this, but it actually does in terms of the TV format, announcing everything in advance, building the storylines. It, it emulates, the two-hour Dynamite broadcast emulates a viable sporting event, right? And it books long-term, which is something Vince McMahon just doesn't do. His headspace just isn't there. They're not going to do anything that's, WWE are not going to do anything fundamentally wrestling-y related. Just Vince thinks he's above it. He, he has for years and years and years. He seems to dislike certain values of pro wrestling. Um, he thinks he's a, a purveyor of entertainment. This is a man who years and years and years ago said, I make movies, we make movies. Um, and the way he decides to try and do that is wacky, ha-ha dialogue with these credited professional writers, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see them on an audio medium, hence why they've got a team of 40 writers. Like He wants it to be a legitimate thing. And the great irony is that like he wants to pursue a casual fan with the idea of, oh, it's not wrestling, it's sports entertainment. You should all like this. It's not wrestling. I know that wrestling's niche. And he's just dead in his ways. Like, this is the format. And it's a long-held revulsion to something that he feels above and has done for his entire life. I just, I, I haven't sat through the last 20 years of this nonsense to, to answer that question. 
that you've posed to me, Wilborn, with anything other than a resounding no. And already the indications are, well, he's just doing his usual thing, isn't he? Mm. Parachuting stars from the past, part-timers, very impulsive brand switches that he's got no plans for. Like, Knox will be nobody in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I don't want to, you know, just fought through so much as Knox, Tegan Knox, mm. now Knox, just to get iced with terrible booking and probably taken off telly in three months. Like, I don't want that for her, but that's just the reality of the situation, Wilborn. There, there will be no fundamental change. Until there is fundamental change, there will be no... Just won't, I'm trying to think of an analogy like, until aliens come, I'll think, this, you know, statistically, it's probably right, but I can't really say for certainty mm. there are aliens out there. Until WWE is good for one calendar year consistently... <laughs> I'll never say it's going to be good. I've had too much nonsense, mm. too much investment just swept away. So I see too much shit every single week, man, to think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fans coming back, they've been waiting. What a load of bollocks. A reckoning is coming. Call me Papa Sidgwick. Forget Papa John. Dave Reckoning is coming. Papa Sidgwick's told you all the day on this podcast. Yeah, and WWE don't have to, to be, to be fair to them. They're future-proof. They've got the Saudi deal. They've got the TV deals. Like, the money's rolling in regardless. It's, you know, a company that that makes money in spite of itself, uh, as a famous person once said about 10 years ago. Um, finally... It's true every day. Yeah. Will AEW pass, surpass WWE before the end of 2021 for you, then? I think it's going to consistently beat Raw's demos by the end of the year. I just... I, one product's too hot. One product, like tantalizingly, feels like it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter over at least the next few months. One has got this temporary reprieve from absolute plummeting ratings, record record laws the other week. It's Goldberg, that guy against Lashley, uh, that's not major for me at all. To be fair, you'll get you'll get one or two week boost to even get it against Drew. Oh, talking like like infinitesimal amounts. Um, Lesnar's going to be on SmackDown when he goes over. Becky Lynch might be on Raw, but I don't think she's that big. Like, and I loved him. I loved this man with all my heart. Even if they get the white whale, CM Punk was not a rating straw. Like, he, he wasn't. Um, just sadly, like Daniel Bryan wasn't. I hate this. I'd prefer them to be, but they weren't. Um, I think by the end of the year, my big prediction is at the very least, demos. The 18 to 49 demo, maybe not overalls, but the 18 to 49 demo will belong to AEW. Just feels like too white hot. And one just, it just, it has to, it it has to change. I just, it's already going that way. One just gets worse and worse and worse. One's just getting better and better and better. Yes, Wilborn, I think it's going to start dominating those demos by year's end. I've got to agree with you on that one, mate. Um, but let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including our weekly previews and reviews of AEW Dynamite. Yes, and Monday Night Raw as well. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.